to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Today, I'm very excited to have someone back, back, back again on the podcast. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, Darren Campbell. Hey, Darren. Hey, Erin. How's it going? So good. I was like so excited. I forget like how we connected again. Um, and you were like, oh, I really want to come back on, or I asked you or something. But anyways, I'm pleased to have yeah. you here. And I just love, you're one of my absolute favorite educators. And just like people, you're an amazing freaking human. And uh, just so excited to talk to you again. So welcome. Thanks so much. Yeah, I love being on every time. And I always get good feedback from your community of folks and uh yeah just love talking about this stuff and, and connecting with with the wider um um all sexuality communities and explorers and seekers it's it's always a good time yeah um maybe for people who haven't been introduced to you previously on the pod maybe you can just talk briefly about like what it is exactly you do absolutely so the way i classify my work these days is i'm a um uh, a relationship and sexuality educator and coach. And so the work that I do is based off of over 20 years of uh, navigating kink community, non-monogamy community, queer community and identity. And I kind of amalgamate all those into doing work with folks that is focused both on providing, I provide a lot of like, um, um, you know, two hour workshops on different topics related to sexuality, kink, non-monogamy, um, identity, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And then I also do one-on-one coaching work with, with people as well. So I'll work with people from a wide variety of walks of life. So, um, I have clients who are coming to me and saying, Hey, I just navigated three years of pandemic and I'm divorced now because I I finally spent more than 10 minutes of the time with, alone with my partner and now I'm like doing this new thing and now I want to try non-monogamy and how do I start doing that? Or I work with um, some clients, for example, um, I work with a couple of clients who um, are older and are navigating their kids coming out to them and that wow. process. Um, I work with um, I work with some folks, um, couples and, and singles who are navigating um, being in kink um, relation based relationships and may, a lot of folks, for example, I work with who are interested in dominance and submission, power exchange, mm-hmm. and how they incorporate that either into the bedroom or into their day to day lives, depending on the degree to which they want to do that. Um, I've recently also worked a lot w- with folks um, on navigating what their boundaries and needs are around, like non monogamy and defining what non monogamy needs for them and um and and creating their own rules and boundaries and expectations and figuring out what it looks like to be healthy nonviolent communicators within that so i do do a wide variety of stuff usually centered around sex sexuality 
um, and better relating and, and connection. Oh my God. There's so much there. So much. Like, I feel like so many people that kind of, uh, want to do any of the things you mentioned, either go through like life transitions like this, or like try a new relationship model or enter a community that you've never been a part of before, or, uh, be supportive of other people in your family or your, uh, grouping that, uh, like social grouping that are doing that and how you can be supportive. Like there's just, there's so much there that I think a lot of people, um, like a lot of people don't realize maybe that they can actually like co-talk go to a co- talk little bit of go talk to a coach like yourself about um and mm-hmm. that that's a lot of stuff that like uh you don't just know you know um and to have somebody that's like really really literate in all these different topics and has a lot of lived experience as well it can be like such a massive a uh, huge asset, uh, such an important resource for you as you're navigating these things. Um, so I just love that um, I, I'm like, that is just such an important, important work that you do, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, so many people can use someone like you in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that w- what folks have come to appreciate is that it's peer-based support. So it's coming mm-hmm. from this place of it's like, hey, I've navigated these things or I've been in partnership or connection with people who've navigated these things. I've been in community. Um, and it's really drawing on an additional piece of community support. Um, and particularly when people are figuring out who they are and figuring out new pieces of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly when we're walking on paths that don't necessarily have a lot of role models or maps or ways of viewing um, how to be in those communities or be in those relationships when we, when, when we're breaking the mold of what we've been taught of what relationships and connection are supposed to look like, mm-hmm. then having somebody to hold our hand for a while to give us some frameworks to validate our experiences and our, our, our feelings, it can be really, really valid. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of rare if you're, you know, looking for a therapist to help you through, you know, a bumpy uh, patch in your life, perhaps, or just needing some ongoing Mm -hmm. support from someone like that, a life coach or a therapist or or what have you. Um, And it's always that thing of like, trying to find someone who is kink friendly or polyam, you know, um, aware or whatever. But like, I think that the peer kind of support that you're talking about um, can be really helpful knowing that this person is like in the lifestyle, whatever lifestyle that happens to be, you know what I mean? Has real experience, (laughs) is passionate about, um, you know, supporting folks entering this community and stuff like that. Like what's the impact do you think um, of having someone like yourself who is like, um, peer community member supportive figure versus like a therapist that they're finding wherever that is you know polyam friendly for instance absolutely so i think that there's there's a couple different ways to view it and i think that as somebody so myself i'm also training right now to eventually become a therapist as well so like that's down the path for me as well but um and just know that like different support relationships are are useful at different points in life Mm-hmm. And I actually work with several clients who are also in therapy at the same time because therapy gives them tools to deal like, with the with the past and navigate and and integrate their lives and like and 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 build those things out. And then I have the let's call it more practical side, which is which is more about like 
how do we deal with today? What are community expectations? What can, what um, what are what are some tips, tricks, and ideas for navigating this particular thing with this relationship with this connection? So my my stuff is a little bit maybe more like advice based and more action oriented in the here and now than a lot of like relation than a lot of uh, therapy frameworks might be. Although certainly some fer- therapy frameworks are. Um, but um, I, I think the benefit of working with somebody like myself is that, yeah, it is that lived experience. Lots of people who are very well-intentioned, who are therapists, for example, mm-hmm. might consider themselves to be polyamory-friendly or kink-friendly or um, queer-friendly if they're not queer themselves. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, you're not going to spend three sessions explaining mm. queer 101 to them or <laughs> things like that. One of, the, one, of the, one of the great benefits I've actually started doing a little bit is actually consulting with therapists sometimes because they want to build out their knowledge of the communities that I support. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I offer as well is to say like, yeah, I will totally sit down with you and do a case consultation or do additional support work so that they can build out their knowledge. And also so that they aren't coming to clients who are then having to feel like they have to be experts within kink in order to go get therapy that doesn't um, then diagnose their problem as being kink. Yes. Right. I know for, for, for me, one of the joys, for example, of when I start working with my therapist, right. Cause I, I, I go to therapy too. Cause, cause I think that that's a really important thing to be doing for, for me and my life and my journey was I needed to be able to go into a therapist, for example, and say, Hey, so I need you to be able to understand that like me being kinky is not a problem for you to solve. Me being non-monogamous is not a problem for you to solve. That said, I might be navigating kink or non-monogamy in ways that aren't healthy that have to do with my own coping or adaptations or history or things like that, that like the problem isn't that I'm kinky. The problem is that I'm approaching kink in ways that aren't healthy for me. And to be able to differentiate those things requires an an understanding of kink. Like a nuanced understanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I see people who like, there's nothing wrong, for example, with wanting a power exchange relationship in your life. But I meet with so many folks who are doing power exchange in ways that come from like uh, a real sense of like uh, ego or like sometimes from like places of like displaced anger or hurt or frustration or things like that, or coming to things from from a place that just really isn't like conducive to like, connection and uh, and the vulnerability required to make those relationships work and so being being aware of those things and being um being somebody who's navigated those relationships and is entrenched in the culture of kink and alt sexuality and non-monogamy i think is a really helpful tool to um building um community members who have the tools to be Active, present, aware of their own of their own challenges, um, and and build lives that fulfill their hopes and dreams. Yeah, I I um I know that people struggle with that too. Um, I'm sure that's a very relatable thing of like, um, you know, you're doing the thing, whatever it is within your, you know, maybe your polyamory or your kink or what have you, and um, even with clients, I have the thing where they are kind of butting up against something that feels, um, you know, they have, uh, they have challenging feelings surrounding. Um, and -hmm. it's always that question of like, Ooh, is this unhealthy? 
you know, is, is my, are my intentions, you know, not, uh, you know, like you said, like fostering connection and communication uh, or um, self-exploration or like whatever it is. It's like, Ooh, that thing of realizing that maybe this isn't like, this isn't good for me and how, Mm -hmm. And they're kind of questioning that. And they're like, how do you know? This is a common question I've got that quite honestly, I stumble my way through when I'm trying to answer it. But they're like, how do you know when King is unhealthy? Um, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. I don't, I, and that's a question yeah. that like, I'm sure is like many sessions of uh, <laughs> with <laughs> you or someone like you, you know, to help kind of figure that out and navigate that. But like, do you have any maybe just like red flags that we can go through that like, you know, if you're feeling like this after a scene, perhaps maybe some further research is required. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, so on a macro level too, I also want to maybe dissuade us from even like thinking in terms of, of healthy versus not healthy. Because, for example, like one of the things that we can look at, for example, that we can borrow, for example, from like spaces like addiction and other and 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 other things is like or even or even things like that is like is is that um, we can look at, you know, some things are about harm reduction, too. Right. Like it's not cut Mm -hmm. and dried. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like, for example, right, like I might be one of the reasons that I might be masochistic, for example, might be that like it is the best way I have for me to reset the brain while navigating a life and systems that are actively harming me. In a perfect world, do I have better, more full supports and I'm not listening in like, for example, a capitalist dystopia? Yes, in that perfect world. But since I don't live in that perfect world, if, 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 you know, like there's a, this idea that looks like, well, we can't run away from our problems. Well, maybe we need to run away from them a little bit and then come back to it because that's the best, happiest version of ourselves that we can be given the circumstances. So I also like, I, I think that, I don't think that there's a, there's a black and white answer to like, is this healthy or not? Yeah. It's like, do I, <clears throat> am I moving towards me being the happiest, most healthiest version of myself that I possibly can be? Am I letting go of perfectionistic thinking? Am I um, letting go of expectations of being exactly who everybody else expects me to be? Because if I, for example, was like kink and non-monogamy and, and coloring outside of the lines is about, um, in a large way, is about like loving ourselves as who we are versus like putting ourselves in this like pristine version of who we're supposed to be, whether we're performing gender or sexuality or being a a corporate drone or whatever whatever society's throwing at us right mm-hmm. so part of it for me is like am i coming away from it feeling more connected to myself or less connected to myself right like yes. because like for example like there's 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 real power for example in like you know if i you know if i come and do a do a session with 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 lady pim and i forget my troubles for a while and i go deeply into myself and i really feeling myself as a physical body and everything else like that like those are real gifts those are real joys mm-hmm. but then do i come out of that and am i feeling you know, am I feeling guilty or shame or am I feeling really negatively afterwards? Am I really being harsh and judgmental towards myself? 
that doesn't necessarily mean that I did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It just means that I might have some additional healing and processing work to do around what my relationship is with that activity, yes. right? Or with what with what just happened there. So I might need to do some additional healing steps and some additional healing work, whether that's with coaching or therapy or what have you, to reconcile the fact that like I can believe that I am a good person and I want these things, or um, I am, um, you know, like am I am I dealing with some you know some underlying internalized homophobia about gender roles? Am I dealing with you know like like so it's not necessarily even that the activity is bad for me or good for me. It's that the other circumstances of my life might be making it harder for me to like fully love and indulge in in, in what I want and to get what I maximally could out of it. Like there's just so many different moving pieces. And, and so some of that figuring out what works where and how is part of the work that we can do in a whole bunch of healing modalities, right? Whether it's therapy, whether it's coaching, whether it's somatic work and things like that, like all of those different, all of those different modalities are about, you know, feeling more aligned with who we are and, and, and what we are. And, and, um, but about a solution to a lot of it is really based on the idea of how do I love myself harder? How do I connect with myself more deeply? How do I, um, love myself as I am today? and 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 be at peace with with who that person is and what that person needs yeah oh i love that yeah i agree it's like it's obviously a very broad and a broad question and something that's just so nuanced like uh, from a case-to-case basis um but i think yeah um the more i i think two things um (laughs) just two (laughs) just two no thoughts just two uh, <laughs> no, i um i had two th- thoughts when while you're talking um that you know the uh the thing about uh the thing if it, is the first step is the self-awareness right of, right is the clocking of these things so to me i'm like if mm-hmm. you're questioning to me, that feels like you're on the right path. You know what I mean? If you're questioning yeah. whether this is good for you, um, or should I keep doing it, or should I alter it, or like, what's really going on here? If you're already in that kind of a headspace, then I'm like, bravo, just keep going in that headspace. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. keep, keep trying to explore and um, ask questions and, you know, find out, try to find out some information there about yourself. And as you said, all your relationships to all of these activities and all, all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, it was like having all these tools in your tool belt, in your mental health tool belt, right? Um mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I think people are butting up against like this, um, you know, like you said, living in a world that isn't supportive of people to explore with the gender or their orientation or a million other things, literally. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time it is coming up against that thing of like, ooh, this is the only space I can indulge in this and then after all Mm. those feelings that are very ingrained in my how I grew up in my community in my culture or whatever you know uh start to come back and and tell me that's wrong or whatever and it's like often something that I would say is like you know in, in your mental health tool belt it's like 
just try to talk about it more. Like the more exploration you can do on it. Talk to your friends if you've got a friend who doesn't mind giving you support in that way um, or on those topics mm-hmm. or whatever. Or maybe even has a bit of experience themselves. Like I think the m- most time the clients particularly come to me about having diff- challenging feelings surrounding kink activities, it's... um that thing of like they feel closeted you know what i mean they have no one else they can talk to about it um or work through this these things with and it's like i think this kind of leads into maybe a topic that that we have um that we you and i talked about beforehand this thing of like um how do you start to kind of immerse yourself in more you know maybe it's sex positive thinking or more you know kink friendly uh, thinking just through, I don't know, community, through media, through whatever, like, how do you kind of start to break through that and move towards a more supportive, maybe, uh, more supportive stuff in your life, people and stuff. Absolutely. And I think it really, it comes down to us, like, how do we feel more connected? And that's particularly challenging, right? We've just, we're coming off of I don't want to say the pandemic's over because it's not, but um, but it's shifted. It's yes. shifted, and we do now have this probably like long term situation where we're navigating some degrees of uncertainty. Are we done with lockdowns? Are we not? Who knows, yeah. right? But but there's definitely been a lot of uncertainty around us. Like, how do I connect with others? How do I feel part of community? And figuring out what that balance is is going to be different for each of us, right? Some of us have felt more connected through online communities, particularly for some of us who navigate the world with different disabilities and stuff like that. So, um, you know, in some ways, like in some ways, people being online and building out those tools has been a wonderful thing. For some of us, those things have shifted. I know for me, one of the challenges I face is I used to get a real sense of community out of spaces like Twitter. And unfortunately, with, with, Buckstein, Elon Musk, um, doing his thing there now. Um, shout out to all the Elon haters. Um, <laughs> that 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 you know, like that that space seems to be coming even less safe than it already was, and yeah. things like that. And there's definitely a sense of negativity that is that is challenging the online spaces. So I think that like when I work with, when I work with clients, it ends up being a very individualized process to figure out just like, okay, when, when you're talking about needs, a lot of people like boil it down to those like, well, I need to find, for example, if they're a kinkster, it's like, I need to find a dominant, I need to find a submissive, I need to find a person to fulfill these and check these boxes. And I will often say, well, let's take a pause here for a minute are you looking to do that in this like isolated way? Because like in my experience, like approaching these things in a very individualistic way doesn't necessarily get us what we think it's going to, right? We're not built to be just like us against the world. And then we find what other person and it's two against the world. That's, that's that way lies isolation and harm. And it's been really challenging thing about the last few years is we kind of got forced into our households with like one or two people maybe and forced to like not draw strength and connection from the wider community. So for me, a lot of clients that I work with, it's about like defining us like what is our community? What are the people that we we feel connected with? Not, you know, the millions of people on Twitter, but the five people in the group chat. 
Like, how do I build out that? How do I go into spaces where I'm going to find kindred spirits, right? Is it going to, um, um, is it going to a queer wine night? Is it going to, um, is it going out to your first lunch? lunch? Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Is it going, is it going to, um, is it being involved in a book club? Is it, um, you know, what are the things available to me? Is it super important to me that the person be local or is it really important that like more important that like we be aligned on these certain values and, and, and ideas, right? One of the things that I think that I, some folks that I work with really kind of struggle with this idea sometimes, and it took me a long time to recognize it too, is that we don't build community around similar sexual tastes. We build real community around values. And so, for example, um, like where, where I often find the most kinship in my uh, connection to other humans and things like that is around like queer community, not because like, oh, I'm hanging out with these five other dudes and they fuck dudes too and everything else like that, but more so around just like a queer lens for the world and like those particular values and how they walk through the world because that informs worldview and perspective and, and creates deeper bonds. Right. And yeah. similar and similar and similarly, there's like, um, you know, I'm sure for example, it's like, you don't feel a kinship with every sex worker, right? Because there are some sex workers, for example, who are very sex negative in some ways. And there are some who come at it through a very, a far more conservative lens that might align than that might align with your values. Like, I think that you, and you can sit there and be in favor of all sex worker rights and not, and not necessarily be at the right intersection of us like, Oh my God. And I'm like, sisters and brothers and siblings with everybody, right? Like there's, there's, there's a subset of those folks where you're just like, we align on these values. We align on these particular worldviews and I feel unjudged, loved and safe within this community of people. And so, and so figuring out who those people are and where those people exist is not always an easy task, but to me, that's the underlying thing is like figuring out, and 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 understand like where are the where where are those people? How do I open myself up to those? How do I build those strong bonds? Yeah. And how do I live as integrated a life as possible where where those people can be present and connected with me? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting point. Um, I believe I talked about this with Evie Lupine maybe um, about you know how it's not sustainable for like community spaces for the intention to be and i say this with all the sex positive sex positivity in the world for with the intention of of it just being i'm here to find people to fuck you know what i mean or to do kink with or to date or like whatever you know uh subset of whatever community you're talking about but like that's how that's not necessarily a sustainable model for a community to it just be about who can i fuck you know what i mean it has to be about something kind Mm of more than that um and deeper than that and talking about like stuff like you mentioned about like emotional safety and support and stuff like that and it's like can you find partners at a munch? For sure you can. Can you, you know, come mm-hmm. uh, come across, you know, kinky people that you want to play with at a munch? For sure. But, like, the intentionality of it, uh, in my opinion as well, has to be has to be community-minded. You know what I mean? Um, it's very funny. I, I did overhear 
showers had it. One of the last munches talking to somebody, giving giving someone a pretty stern talking to about like, this is not a space to pick up chicks. Like she fully said yeah. that. And I was like, yes. Like, because, you know, can you pick up people at a munch? Certainly. But like the if that's your only intention going into a munch, then maybe maybe you got it wrong. Yeah. Don't walk into the room dick first. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like that's, 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 that's the, that's the challenge. And I know like, and particularly like, it's very exciting walking into these spaces because you're just like, oh my God, I've been fantasizing about these things for years. And right. now I have a room full of people who are in some way friendly to that thing that maybe I felt a lot of shame or hopelessness around or things like that. Yeah. But you gotta like, but you gotta pull, pull the brakes on that and you need to like approach it each person as an individual. Um, so it's, it's important to be curious about other people. It's important to view them as human beings to connect with other people. I think that it's, yeah, it's really tempting to view it through a lens that's very consumptive. And again, like oriented around like this very individualistic, I'm in it for me view. Right. But we know that like community isn't, built that way sustainable connections aren't built that way right and i think that i think that it's important to know that it's as important to have friends in community as it is to have partners in community i one of the things that i've struggled with over the years um as somebody who has operated a lot of spaces as a, a one of my many identities as a submissive guy. Yeah. And I know for the examples like there's this culture that says like every other submissive guy in the room is my competition. Right. And that's and there's just so many levels of bullshit in that, right? There's the levels of like this is what the the cis normative heteropatriarchy says that like I'm supposed to be in like some fucking like alpha male bullshit contest with people that says that like we're, we're competing for mates and all of this kind of stuff. That's not super community based. Right. I would love to be in like community and connection and like brotherhood with other submissive men. I would love for that to exist. That, That exists very rarely for me in my life. You know, I have a lovely, lovely, actually you had him. I believe you had him on the podcast. Um, uh, Carter Brule. Oh yeah. Lovely, lovely, like dear, dear heart friend of mine. And like, so Carter and I have this thing called the good boys club, which is just like (laughs) us, just like, just like being in this text, this text chain with each other where we just like raise each other up and we praise each other for like doing hard things. And we like, raw raw each other and we have a couple of partners in common but we also have partners that aren't in common and like being excited for each other and being compulsive in like a friend way like for folks aren't aren't familiar with that with that term it's far from polyamory where like this idea that i'm excited at somebody else's joy just for its own sake and like building up another submissive man and like being excited that he got to do a thing and not viewing that as like somehow something for me to be envious of, but instead for me to some, find joy and maybe inspiration in, yes. but not, not in a competitive way, 
but in a, in a, I'm so glad you found your joy. I'm so glad you found your bliss. I'm so glad you connected with this person in this way. I'm so glad that you're being awesome and taking the world by storm. And so we have this like mutual love affection thing. And like this idea, particularly of us being both like submissive men and good boys and like, and <laughs> giving each other that emotional cookie of calling each other good boys, men, when maybe we don't necessarily have an active dominant in our lives to give us that pat on the head is just such an affirming thing of identity that says, even if I'm not connecting with the dominant in that particular moment, I have somebody else who sees me as I see me. Oh, God. It's so empowering, Aaron. Right? I feel like that's so rare, unfortunately, as somebody who also yeah. is in the kink community. I go to munches and I go to play parties. It's like male submissives. How often do you see male submissives like bonding over their male submissiveness together and being friends and like fostering, you know, connection with each other based on those similar interests and like have that be Absolutely. a supportive relationship and like lifting each other up and learning from each other and helping each other and all of that stuff. I feel like that maybe particularly Maybe just this is a comment, maybe just male friendship in general, because it's, it's yes. hilarious. <laughs> I actually just watched, um, have you watched um, Welcome to Wrexham? It's a Netflix documentary um, about a football team, basically. Um, Ryan Reynolds uh, buying a football, a local football team. Um, okay. No, I've not seen it, no. There is one episode where they get a therapist in there um, talking about uh, male friendship. And it's so interesting. But one funny part of that is, like, she's like, I physically um, feel anxiety when I see men greet each other. Like, the way they're trying to navigate, like, this physical affection of a hug or a handshake or a pat on the back or, like... Yeah. Or like it's just so funny. She's like, I literally like feel it in my body whenever I see two men greet each other because it's so like awkward. I'm sure you've yeah. got a shit ton to say about that. <laughs> oh, I I do. I, I like like this will be what my book will be about yeah. one day. It's yeah. like navigating <laughs> navigating toxic masculinity and yeah. the harm it does to us and the people in our lives and everything else like that. Like and well and. and and you even see versions of that in queer men's community. One of the gifts of being a queer guy is that, like, I've at least had some experience now expressing love to other men that is not in a sexual form because there is at least, like, some openness. For example, like, when I first came out into community 20-plus years ago, mm -hmm. there was, like, going out to, like, the leather bar on a Sunday afternoon and going to, like, the community barbecue and stuff like that. And, like, you know, you would give a kiss on the cheek to every guy that was there, and that was part of, like, the, 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 the you know, the social framework and the social expectation and, pro yeah, protocol, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that was accepted and, and, and freeing. Um, I certainly carry that through with my, with my men friends who are queer, but there's definitely not, uh, um, but I definitely don't want to make anybody uncomfortable with that and, and everything else like that. But like, there's not necessarily even an openness to that kind of closeness, at least not in North American society among men who, um, who are not part of that, that queer experience. And I think that that's really challenging. And I think that that's really, that's really hard. Like, I think that one of the gifts that, for example, like people who are raised as women get 
mm-hmm. um, is, for example, is like permission to like cuddle and be like physically close with each other. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that, that, you know, when you starve our, us of, um, and where you, I mean, society, when society starves men of physical intimacy and physical closeness, there's repercussions for that in the community. There are, there are repercussions. There are repercussions and harms done by that lack of access to physical intimacy, and we're seeing a lot of that come through with a lot of the anger and hurt in the world right now. I think is a large part, right? Like all of this, and again, I'm not excusing any of the like incel bullshit or sure. any of that kind of things, but I do believe it to be a consequence of a culture that doesn't give men very many outlets for physical closeness and intimacy. And that is a need. Yes. And we don't give them the tools to pursue that in healthy ways. And we don't give them healthy outlets for that, that aren't aggressive physically. Yes. Yeah. Or like in the, yeah. In the Netflix series that it just talked about, like, you know, it has to be sports, you know, because sports is manly yeah. and like that can be an excuse for men to actually have friendships with each other and do things together, like play aggressive sports and stuff. And like in that context, it's OK because it's, you know, masculine, quote unquote. But honestly, it's like, yeah, they need they need more excuses to connect than aren't just sports because everybody's not into sports. <laughs> Well, no, no, abs, 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 absolutely, yeah. right? Like I, you know, and 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 for the for the for the the you know the geekier set among us and things like that. There's there there was at one point like uh, what I I at least liked seeing things like people indulging in like you know tabletop games and things like right, that. Right, and there was right. a culture around that, but unfortunately, that had to shift online as a result of of pandemic things and things like that. That hopefully people are getting back to that kind of thing but like even then again it's like requiring this structure this structure around it like one of the things one of the gifts that's been given to me by being immersed in in a more queer lens for the world and like being in queer community is like i can cuddle up and watch i can like netflix and chill with somebody where we're just going to chill Mm -hmm. and you know like i have deep connective relationships with people where I can like cuddle up, watch a thing where we can be physically close with each other, where we can, and, and, and it's not like a preamble to something else. Like the goal is to be close in that particular way. And I think that there's, there's a lot of healing that comes from having physically close connective relationships that aren't driven by also like the desire to like be some version of, a sex. couple or yeah. sex or you know it's like not not even just sex but also just like the pressures of like finding like the one or a partner or um all of those different things that are both check boxes that are like the, you know if i'm a guy and the only permission i'm given to be emotionally vulnerable is to eventually find a heterosexual life mate mm-hmm. who i can then be emotionally vulnerable with, and then they, and because they are signing on to do all of my emotional labor, then it's not even just the pursuit of sex. It's the pursuit of, of, of a therapist slash companion slash emotional (laughs) dumping ground slash mom. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like it's, it's all of those things, all of those things inter intertwined, you know, sometimes like, you know, 
everything's about sex except sex, which is about power, right? Like it's it's that it's that whole like like the sex like yes, people are actively just like yes, I would like I would like to get off, and I'm not down on that. I am pro getting off in appropriate ways with appropriate people. Yeah. Um. But and the pursuit of that sexual partner is often about those like forms of 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 validation of identity and purpose and status right a lot of the time like pursuit of like of of connecting with with somebody else is as much about my status within wider community and being able to say that i that i got laid that like i'm seeing this massive for example like there's there's all kinds of people right now promoting in very specific ways on the on this on social media or on dating sites and things like that tons of people who are feeling anxiety about being virgins yeah right yes right like there's a lot of anxiety around that it's not only like this perceived judgment from community or like status among the community it's like all that stuff happens internally as well you know you uh, absolutely yeah yeah Absolutely. Is this okay? Is, is, is it okay that I'm still a virgin at this age? Is it okay that I'm less experienced? Um, is it, um, you know, and, and, you know, all of this anxiety around access to sex, um, which is also access to intimacy and connection and romance and like, you know, saying, is it okay if I'm a virgin in some ways is saying, Hey, is it okay that nobody else has validated my sexuality and my existence as a human being who's an adult? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like there's all kinds of there's all kinds of, of, of layers layers to that. Is it okay that um, despite the fact that I've been trained that being a man is to show up and be experienced sexually and that that conquest is supposed part of what's supposed to define me as a man? Yeah. And I haven't fulfilled that expectation. Am I still okay? Am I going to be cast out from, am I going to be, am, am I still going to be, island. am I going to be cast out from the tribe? Yeah. <laughs> am I, like, right. Like, because, you know, there's, there's so much anxiety because, you know, fundamentally we're still, you know, still monkeys out in the savannah. Yeah. Who yeah. like, like, you know, and, and our whole ability to survive is based off of acceptance by other people. Yeah. So much to unpack there. I don't want to go mm-hmm. forward anymore before taking a break. I said we would. I'm yes. sticking to it. <laughs> so we're going to take a really quick break, and then we've got lots more to talk about with Darren Campbell. See you in a few, everybody. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And they have sexy themed events running all the time. Here's just a few as I'm scrolling through their Instagram, which is located at Club M4 Events. We have threesome Fridays. We have a sexy plus size play party. A night revolving around mini skirts. Naughty on a school night. Ooh, and a bi-pleasure Wednesday night dedicated to all things oral. 
Well, if that doesn't get you excited enough, you can head on over to their website at clubm4.com to investigate even further. The club is located at 1989A Dundas Street East in Mississauga. You can come by and see what a club made for swingers by swingers is all about. Okay, let's jump back in. Um, Maybe we can talk about, uh, we mentioned this briefly, but this thing of like the pandemic shifting and Mm -hmm. us maybe going from online into some in-person spaces. Pulling away from screens is a really interesting one for me because I feel like I spent a hell of a lot of time over the past three years on my phone. Um, yes for a lot of reasons and now it's that thing of like oh well life again <laughs> how do i how do i do how do i do that darren how do I? yeah do that? well and how do you do that is this <laughs> like do, it's it's, it's it's super it's super it's super easy right how do i life Just, um <clears throat> how do how do i even life well i i think that again it's it's gonna be one of these answers of like it depends right like yeah looking at what do I want? How do I want to be spending my time? I know for me, I definitely in the, in, in the absence of, of other stimulus, like my ADHD brain will look for the quick hits. So, um, so for me, um, I've actually taken steps recently to make my phone as unappealing as possible, which is like, I, so I took off all the apps and things like that. If I want to go into the socials, I have to go into my laptop. So it's not like quick and easy access to my pocket and things like that. Um, and I think that similarly that goes for like dating and connection and things like that too. Like I think that, uh, it's very tempting to be always engaged in like swipe culture and things like that. And I know for a lot of folks that I've, I've talked with, for example, it's like, they'll be constantly swiping, but then like the brain power to like, actually like message the person who's, who matched them back and things like that. And so like, that th- isn't there. Yeah. So, um, so I, it, I think it depends on the patterns that you're seeing within yourself. So many of us like adapted in different ways, but I think under like taking a step back and saying, it's like, how am I using digital tools? Are they making me feel more or less connected? Am I coming away with these things with a sense of anxiety? Not dissimilar to what we were just talking about with, with, with at the end of our kink scenes, right? right? Like, am I, am I feeling less connected to myself or more connected to myself? Right. Am I quote unquote doom scrolling? Right. What boundaries do I have for myself to make? Right. Like if I look, for example, like most phones have a thing that says like, how long have I been spending screen time on and what, and what number of hours when I look at those numbers, how do I feel about that? Right. And like, and, and if I'm, and if I'm, if I'm sitting there, like, and if I'm nervously laughing about it, like getting curious about that feeling, right? Because that could be many different things. Maybe, and this is perfectly fine if it is, maybe I've been through hell and back and it's perfectly reasonable that I would access the level of connection that I had access to. And maybe, and maybe my healing work looks like loving myself and the person who did the best they could to survive unprecedented times. Yes. And maybe what I need is to hold myself a little bit more closely and figure out like I was serving a need and thank goodness I did rather than being like, I shouldn't do this. Right. Because one of the things that is the biggest barriers to change and growth and renewed sense of self 
is self-incrimination and self-judgment. Yeah. Right? Just because the thing we did isn't the perfect thing doesn't mean that it wasn't the best we could do with the circumstances that we had and the hands that we were dealt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Right. So, so in a lot of, a, a lot of the time when I'm working with a client, it's about like acceptance and, and, and loving themselves and saying like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a this or this, it's both. Right. It's, 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 I've did things or, or I, I had coping mechanisms or I had adaptations during the pandemic that weren't ideal and they, they were the best that I did. And thank you past Darren for doing the best you could with what you had. Yes. Now, how are we resourced to do things differently? Do I have access to more therapists now, coaches now? Do I have access to more friends now? Is that local thing around the corner now open and available to me? Are munches starting back up in my city? Yeah. Um, um, you know, or is it is it still fairly looks like still virtual and everything like that? Like one of the challenges we face in in Toronto, for example, is like venues are fewer now because yes. a lot of stuff has shut down. A lot of community spaces have shut down. And so maybe the thing I need to do is like seek out new community spaces or maybe my work is to build community spaces or maybe uh, like or or maybe I do need to like be virtual. But then how do I pull that offline and things like that? Right. Like. For me, it's it's how do I deal with what's in what's what's in what's in front of me and and do do the best do the best do the best that I can, and and a lot of it is about like being curious about approaching things with curiosity and hopefulness about um, recognizing that um, you know not that like hey you know we're going through right now like you know the the, the winter and everything else like that. And every fucking second person that I saw online or anything else like that was like cuffing season, this and cuffing season that, and like yeah. that whole vernacular of like, and I'm just like, that does, that is both a reasonable response to a world in which, um, we all want to shut intimacy. down from it. it, it well, and, <laughs> and well, and, and like, it, like inti and intimacy is commoditized right now. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a it's, it's a rarity. It's, um, it feels, um, unobtainable. It can feel very foreign, especially if you've like lived by yourself or not had access to a partner things like that and want those things. And it's perfectly reasonable to want those things. And right. Like, and that's where the, the dichotomy comes in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to slow down and say, it's like, Maybe now is not the time for me to like dive in necessarily it was like and go find the one. Maybe right now is the time for me to like build community, build connection, build a home base from which from which to 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 find connections, including connections that might be romantic or sexual or what or what ha or what have you, right? Yeah. How do I build up my own resiliency, build up my own uh, sense of connectedness? Right. Because one of the hardest things we can do when we're dating and, and trying to connect is like, is, you know, is shopping when we're starving. Right. right? Cause then, cause, cause then we operate from this place of scarcity yeah, and scarcity. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scarcity and desperation lead us to make choices that don't align with our values That's or to, to second guess our values. 
right? And I'm not saying that like sometimes we get surprised and we connect with somebody that we didn't expect to and that can be a real gift. And like being open to those things is different than looking somebody in the eye and knowing that they either don't align with our values or they don't reflect our values or they are not going to be good for us. But saying to ourselves, this is the best I can do or, or get and then settling for that. Right. It's, I don't want people right settling now. for things. It's available yeah. right now. So I'm going to take it. Even knowing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, empowering for empowering, for example, it's like men when I work with them to say, don't say yes to everything that comes your comes your way. Very few people are going to be a compatible fit for you. Um, and as hard as this is to hear, it's like when we say yes to the wrong thing, we don't make space to say yes to the right thing. Yeah, right? exactly. We only have um, and an infinite e amount of time and energy, kind of. Well, ex 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 exactly, exactly, right? It's like, and so saying no um, empowers us to say yes in the right circumstances. And even when we're polyamorous and maybe we're open to multiple loves and things like that, we aren't. We aren't just possessing of infinite time. Yeah, right. Only and so, so much time in the week. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so focusing our time, energy, and focus on the connections that are going to lift us up, that are going to be um, pursuing of our bliss and our joy, are going to be um, creating in us uh, connection and growth and, and the ability to be the best versions of ourselves takes time and requires patience and requires us to like push away as much as possible that model of scarcity that says that we aren't enough and so we must settle for that which is beneath us. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's hard to do. It's hard to say no. It is. To things. It is. It is. And the last few years have been so hard. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we have collectively acknowledged the trauma and the hurt that we've all been through in not only being isolated from each other, but then also like seeing in some ways like the worst faces of humanity like thrown Ugh. into our face or our screens all the time. Yeah. And so and 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 you know, like you know, I I it's very easy to feel like the world is getting worse if you are dialed into the twenty four hour news feed. And and to feel less empowered, and in some ways it it is it is more challenging, right? Um, and in certain and some spaces, and I don't want to dismiss the idea that it's like things have gotten significantly harder for some people, and some populations have like had to double down on them in terms of like the harm that's done to them. I'm yeah. speaking particularly as like you know some of our, our trans siblings in the world and um, and other populations who are actively harmed by systems of inequality and, 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 and actively targeted with hate. Like those things are all, those things are all real and they might inform your ability to go out into the world and feel safe to connect with community. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we want to hold space for and recognize that those community spaces and those community connections are an important piece of surviving the harm done to us by others too. Yeah. How do we, what's like a baby step we can take towards getting back out there? Are you able to? Yeah. So, so I, and again, I think, I think it ends up being, being different for each of us, but I think yeah. that like slowing down and being curious yeah. 
right? Like, how am I, how am I feeling? Like, even paying attention, like, what would it look like maybe, like, to sit down through my day mm-hmm. and to, like, note how I'm feeling when I go online, mm-hmm. right? How am I feeling when I'm swiping in the apps? Am I feeling hopeful or hopeless? Am I feeling... Um, am I, am I feeling curious about like exploring with, with people? Am I feeling like, uh, am I feeling less connected to, to connected to humanity? Right. And then also, am I offsetting and also asking myself with the question, like, am I offsetting like my interaction with the anonymized web, Mm. if you will, right? Like the going through the feed, um, and reading news articles, things like that. Am I offsetting that with like real genuine human connection? Right. And that can exist virtually. Right. It could be a phone call with a friend. It could be uh, FaceTime. It could be texting. And I love you to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Like that can take many different, many different forms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm a, if, especially if I'm a person who like still is maybe like working from home or like has very little, very little connection that you don't like um, that you don't initiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. then, then ask yourself, well, it's like, am I having those connections? Am I having, am I having those moments? And if I'm not, what are the things that sound appealing in a being out amongst other people, connecting with other people way, obviously with, within, within your personal boundaries of like physical safety and like social distancing needs and all kinds of things. Cause everybody's at different levels of their own, um, immune needs and everything else and it's like and everybody's taking different levels of precautions in different spaces but like what feels like an approachable next step for you in terms of like reaching out to communities or connections or being part of the world if you felt a little bit distance from that distance from that right if you felt yeah. disconnected um yeah. what you know like figuring out like what are the resources of, of avail available to you right if you know if if you've been on you know a discord server full of people that you're connecting with around like a fandom or something like that that's great mm-hmm. but what does it look like to maybe invite a couple of those people out to like grab an in person coffee in your city yeah right like thing, things like that like what are the small steps that it's feeling like a little bit more connected and a little bit more nuanced and a little less two dimensional yeah yes yeah i think that's important to note that it's like you know, the little computer in our pocket, you know, there are a lot of great connective tools on it, but there are also like, like you're saying this dichotomy of, and there are a lot of just kind of passive non-connective things we can do with our phones as well, where we're just like not absolutely in our bodies whatsoever. So like kind of identifying, you know, in what, what parts of uh, our phone are like serving us and what aren't. And to lean into the ones that are and maybe take that to a space of like taking that, you know, making a one on one connection with that person in that group, in that Mm -hmm. Facebook chat, you know, um, group chat or whatever, or like going and seeing somebody in person in some way. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a great. And I think and another thing I think that people are not necessarily aware of, but is an important piece, too, is like there are all kinds of opportunities right now to connect in and then be a support in the communities that you're a part in. So what does it look like to 
do community work, to do volunteering, because if you want to meet people with similar values, that's a great way of doing that, just to build community around you. It's like, yeah. so what does it look like to volunteer in these spaces? And I know, for example, like locally in Toronto, it's like spaces like the 519 Community Center, things like that are always looking for volunteers for, for, for their programming and stuff mm-hmm. and are meeting real needs within community. So, um, so how do I show up and be part of existing things and, and connect in those spaces and those spaces as well. Right. And, and do some good in the world too, because there's just so much need right now that's being unmet. So how do I do that? Because like that also is like, you know, studies have shown us like feeling more connected to community and doing good in the world makes us feel like we're part of something bigger and helps us to, um, then like lead more fulfilling lives ourselves as well. So don't, don't that dismiss or neg- neg- negate that. Yes, definitely. I love that you said that. And I think that is a great point to end on Darren. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. Oh my God. I feel like we talked about so many lovely topics. I feel so great about that. I hope you do too. Um, oh, I feel go, great Darren. about it. I always enjoy talking with you, oh! but it, it always feels it always feels like we both cut it off too quick, and also it's like we right? could go on forever. You know, it's an excuse to just ask you back another time. Uh, I'm fine with it. Always happy to. Before we let you go, can you tell us where we can find and follow you and book you for your coaching if people would like to do that? Absolutely. So all things Darren Campbell can be found at learngrowrepeat.ca. That's my website. You can find me there. You can find my links to socials and things like that. I'm on the Twitter for however long it exists at uh, Darren Learn. Um, I'm on FetLife as Darren underscore Campbell. Um, I am, uh, yeah, that's, those are pretty much the socials I use for so long as they kind of exist. I'm on Instagram too, um, at Darren learn as well, but I don't use that so much, but you're welcome to follow me on there. and look like, and like my, my, my selfies, you're welcome to do that as well. But, um, but yeah, like if you want to engage with me, for, with me for coaching or learn about, I do a couple of workshops every month, um, on sex and sexuality, a lot of kink related stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to learn, grow, repeat. Dot ca you can find out there and, and find out what my next workshops are and when i'm when i'm teaching on uh, january 12th i am teaching uh an intro to power exchange online workshop which is pay what you can mm. um so we're going to be talking about that if you're interested in power exchange if you want to start off the new year exploring some kink and some power exchange and connection things like that uh, and then uh, later in January on the 24th, I'll be doing another online workshop. I do these all on Zoom. And again, they're pay what you can. You just register through Eventbrite. If what you need is a free price, you do that. If you can donate, then we appreciate you and and, and you help support my work. Um, uh, January 24th, I'll be doing another class called Pickup DS. Um, which is uh, a class a class about like creating DS connections and play with somebody that you knew you met. For example, if you're looking to, like, say, get the services of somebody like Lady Pam, for example, and come in and see a dominatrix, (laughs) this is a great place to say, it's like, hey, how do I show up and do some of the emotional labor of making, like, a new-to-me connection work on a DS level? If I want to come in and explore those kinds of things, then we talk talk about, like, how to to build out those tools and how to uh, navigate and negotiate and and how to create uh, really cool, intense connections with people that that we're just getting to know so uh both of those are exciting and i do those courses um uh second second thursday and fourth 
uh, Tuesday of every month. I do these online Zoom courses as well as you can keep an eye out for um, if you're local to Toronto. I'm also going to be I'm going to be helping uh, facilitate uh, a dungeon monitor training for anybody who's interested in local volunteering in local community spaces. I'm going to be doing that in January as well. More info to come on that soon and always doing lots of interesting and fun stuff. And yeah, feel free to to come visit me on my website and I'm happy to, to uh, connect with people. And if they want to do coaching with me as well, um, I do a free introductory call to kind of level set, and make sure we're on the same page, about what we want to do before we start doing paid sessions. Oh, so valuable. The work you do, Darren. Thank you so much for all that. Um, for me folks, I am most active on Twitter at the lady Pim one, but if you must go on over to Instagram, I'm at the lady Pim one and at the bedpost podcast, we have a Patreon. It is the bedpost show. We have a YouTube channel as well. It is also the bedpost show. And I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who has done all the original music for the podcast. Her name is Stephanie Copeland and you can find out more about her work at Steph copelandmusic.com once again thank you so much to darren campbell for talking to me today it's been so lovely it's always so nice to catch up with you darren thank you so much great to be here as always and i hope you enjoyed it listening everybody we'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality on the bedpost podcast get fucked everybody goodbye This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 